0: Roots. i wanna go i wanna go to camp you're listening to headliners the show featuring the best and brightest of music from all over the world please welcome your host greg howard jr
2: Please join me in welcoming to the show the absolutely brilliant, the chaotically relatable, the one, the only, Mandy Crimmins. Hello. Hi.
1: So happy to be here.
2: Thank you so much for uh, being here. So tell me, uh, what, is, what is out from you right now that we should all be listening to?
1: Yeah. So I just put out uh, an EP in April um, called Borderline. Which is I've been calling kind of my origin story and, and really, if you want to get to know me and what I write about and who I am and what I stand for, it's definitely the project to listen to. Um, it's kind of like a first person in my head um, journey through my uh, getting diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and, and how that looks for me, how that presents, how I, process the world. I just kind of wrote this collection of, you know, music that just speaks to that. Um, yeah. So what is the
2: one word that you would use to uh, describe the new EP?
1: Oh, I would say, I would say visceral, definitely visceral.
2: Who is an artist that, uh, if they popped into the Zoom right at this very minute and said, "Mandy, you have to come on tour with me right now"? Who are we dropping everything for?
1: Oh man! Oh man! Oh, all right. So, oh, I would, I would say, I would definitely say Royal and the Serpent. I, I love their whole project. I just love their music. I love the, you know, I think there is a kinship of what we write about of just being kind of these songs about mental health that uh, they don't always sound like there's not the overall theme of like, it's, but it's going to get better. And like that toxic positivity of, uh, you know, there's just this realness to her music. And I love that. And it's what I try to put in my songs, just the real feeling. So definitely. Royal and the serpent, my God. Uh I think twelve-year-old me would just like die though if Evanescence came in here. And I would drop absolutely every part of my life if if Amy Lee <laughs> wanted to do anything, honestly, even if it was get a cup of coffee. So
2: I you know, I don't I'm I'm not a musician, but if if Evanescence was like, Hey, will you come and like uh carry our speakers? Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm there. Yeah. Of
1: course, of course. I'm like, yeah. I, I could do whatever you want. Amazing.
2: If you could change one thing about the music industry, what would it be?
1: Oh, this is a loaded question. You know, I would honestly, there's this, there's this like glass ceiling sort of vibe in the industry sometimes where it's, it's very us and them and you can kind of see ahead, you know, you can see where you want to get to, but it just, how do you get there? It's very mysterious. There's no, you know, there aren't, there isn't one path. So, of course, there's like a billion paths and there's just so much mystery wrapped up in it. And I think that's okay to some degree, but I just would completely shatter some of the glass ceiling, us and them aspects of it. Just, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. There, I, there's, there's a level of, attainability that like 20, 30 years ago, you, you could, you could walk into like one of the big four offices and, and drop a tape and, you know, within six months, like you're on the radio everywhere and you're on tour and now it's, it's shifted and. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And it's just like, like I remember when I got excited about music and, and was learning about music. I was, you know, young and looking at these bands like Evanescence, you know, they were signed two years before that album even came out. And that whole process was like development. And you look at the industry now and that aspect of it does not exist anymore. You know, you're kind of doing all that on your own. And then you add in like, you know, the social media apps, like TikTok, and there's, there is this sense of attainability where it's like, I could post this video, and it could go viral and it could be huge and everybody could be obsessed with my song and I could get uh, calls next week from labels that want to sign me. And it's just like that energy is brought to the table every time you post, whether you kind of realize it or not. It's like, I I hope and, and you know, maybe this is the one. And it, it's like it doesn't happen or it does happen or it doesn't. The outcome's not the same. Yeah, it's just it's a definitely a different industry than. I mean, hell, even like five years ago.
2: What is a venue that you'd give anything to play?
1: Probably the Troubadour or the Wiltern. I just love those spaces. And I used to just see all the show announcements for the Troubadour people that I followed or people that I looked up to or friends. And I was like, oh, damn, I want that. (laughs) I want Mm -hmm. my name up there.
0: From the minds that brought you the smash hit podcast, Your Life, the Mixtape and Headliners comes Your Life, the Mixtape magazine, a free monthly digital magazine that focuses on music, culture and social commentary on current news and events. Visit www.yourlifethemixtape.com to subscribe today.
2: What do you think is your worst habit during the songwriting process?
1: I would say definitely overthinking and like second guessing. Uh, definitely, I've tried to work on that, but it's it's a it's a factor in my life in general. <laughs> I'm like a professional overthinker, I think at this point. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of the sometimes your your best your best lines are are the ones that just like flow right out. But then it's like that that inner voice, that editor in your head that doesn't need to exist, that kind of comes out every now and then. And it's like, oh, I don't know if you should, I don't know if you should use that word. I don't know if that's good. That's probably weird. That's probably, you know, and I I try to quiet it, but sometimes she is too loud.
2: (laughs) Using only colors and shapes, describe your music.
1: Oh, oh, I love, I love this. I would say color-wise, Uh, it, it it matches my hair and I didn't intend that, but I would say definitely this like deep red, this like deep blood red. Um, and then every now and then you get like this, this quick wave of like blue, you know, where it's like blue. I always associate with a little bit of like melancholy or, or bittersweet, you know? And I like to think that my songs, my music is like definitely like rage. It's like inner inner, I think somebody once told me like inner feminine rage, it's just like empowerment and anger. Uh, But it's also like wrapped up in this kind of sadness, this depression, this, you know, uh, and that's where the blue would come in. Shape wise, I think it's, I can't think of the name of of what, of what it is, but it's like, doesn't have a shape. It's like a shape shifter. It's you're going to look at it and it's a circle and then you're going to look at it again. And it's, uh, you know, a square, it's a rectangle. It's changing super quick. Uh, It's kind of probably just me and what I would be if I was a shape It's just like all shapes all the time, depending on the minute that you're (laughs) talking to me. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's how I would describe that. I think.
2: Do you uh, consider yourself an artist or an entertainer?
1: I would definitely say artist. Um, but you know, the industry that we're in, it's definitely, I'm an artist who entertains. I want to entertain. I want to be an entertainer for you because that's like, you know, the whole, the whole thing, but at my core, I'm an artist. I love, I love releasing projects. I, I personally love putting out like concept albums. I, I was actually thinking the other day that I've, I've never put out, I've never put out music that wasn't like a concept project (laughs) everything always has a has a concept it's like you're meant to listen like this or this is the overall theme or it's got a story it's got characters um yeah and that's that's probably the artist in me that just wants to fully immerse you in this like sonic experience
2: tell me about the moment in your career that you're most proud of
1: the i mean i'm i'm just proud of proud of every little step. And I try to like remind myself of the, the little goals and the little steps and not let them be overshadowed. But recently with this EP, I did get some really cool press from like publications that I had, I had looked up to for years. Um, ear milk Atwood magazine. They, they wrote these like track by track little, descriptions of my, my album and I just like cried. And then I think I got on like a ones to watch playlist, which was totally unexpected. And I was like, I'm a one to watch. I love that. I want to be a one to watch. (laughs) I don't know how to replicate this again. I just, I love this. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was full, full tears for that. So those were some pretty cool moments I was proud of. And it's like, you don't need those things, but I think at that time I needed like that validation that, you know, I, I, am here, you know, everything I've done to get here and all the choices that I made, it's like that little validation, like, good job. You're doing good.
2: What was the moment that you decided you wanted to pursue music?
1: Yeah. So I had, I had other plans when I was, you know, really young. I never really had, I always loved music, but I never really had it as, as something that I I thought I was going to do professionally or or like this, you know um but i I was injured really bad when I was seven and ended up causing like permanent damage in my arm and I'd been like a very active kid, very sports oriented uh and i I ended up having to stop doing everything uh everything I was doing at all couldn't even like participate in gym like it was it was pretty traumatic and had a bunch of surgeries. And I just got very depressed, you know. You think that kids can't be depressed, but oh man, oh man, I was depressed. And my parents ended up just signing me up for music lessons, you know. They just thought that would be good for me. Uh and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with singing. I fell in love with like being up there and getting to like tap into this emotional headspace. And and yeah, I just I loved it. Um I would say probably around like eight, 12 years old, when I had been doing a few recitals, I was like, you know, I want to, I don't want to not do this. I don't want to have a time in my life when I'm not doing this. Uh, I just thought I was going to be maybe a singer. And then high school came and I ended up getting a, I got a piano and I taught myself how to play piano. And that was when I started writing my own music was when I could finally like self-accompany to a degree and getting to Of, like, get all of those experiences I'd had up to that point, all of the trauma, all of the life shit (laughs) that I'd Mm -hmm. gone on, having the ability to get that out into this piece of work you know, it was so therapeutic. It was, it's like almost addicting, just being able to, like, it's like a free therapy session with yourself. It's just unmatched. Uh, And as soon as I started writing my own music, I knew there was no alternate path um, yeah, I, I didn't apply to any other colleges. I literally applied to Berkeley college of music. I had no plan. If I didn't get in, I was like, this is, this is going to be my future. I'm going to figure it out.
2: (laughs) So if you could go back in time to, to the minute that you decided that music was it for you, would you do anything differently?
1: Honestly? No, no. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I would, I would love to be a little more confident in myself and trust my gut a little bit more, but I'm a very big believer that, you know, every choice you make leads you to where you're meant to be. You know, every choice I made up until this point has led me to this exact moment, you know, talking to you and who's to say if I made different choices, if I would end up here, you know, if I had, if I had not, you know, gotten injured at school that day would I have even started singing? You know, it's like those little, those little things. And I I try to never in my head rewrite things or regret things like that because I feel that I'm meant to be where I'm meant to be, you know? So I would say, no, just a little more confidence. I think everyone could use a little more confidence. <laughs> when are you most creative? Oh, this is, this, this might, this might not sound the best, but honestly, I, I am definitely my most creative when I am at my worst mentally. Uh it probably goes hand in hand with that that whole aspect of it feeling like therapy, but I am I am always my most creative when I feel like I'm barely holding it together. You know, that's when my 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 <clears throat> my tendency tends to be when I'm when I'm feeling like that I instantly go to the piano, I instantly go to my computer to produce a new song to just, sometimes I hear it in my head, you know, I'm, I'm feeling all of these really intense feelings, which do coincide with having borderline, you know, we feel very intensely and it becomes so overwhelming. So for me, that, that has so much potential to destroy me is how deep I feel and if I don't get it out, if I don't write about it, if I don't even just sit at the piano and play some stupid melody that I'm just coming up with, it it takes control and I'm no longer in control. Um, I wrote, actually break me down about that feeling of just like not even feeling like you're in control anymore um, because the the mental health is, you know, the mental illness is taking control. So for me, that's when I try to tap into my creativity and it's always right there. Cause it's just like all these thoughts that just are begging to come out. So yeah, might not sound the best, but definitely, definitely when I'm not feeling my best.
2: <laughs> that is, I, I definitely, I definitely feel that. And it's, it's, it's nice to talk to somebody else who, who understands that, you know, when, when I'm at my absolute lowest, that's when I, I, I have all the good ideas. So, so thank right. you for that.
1: Oh yeah, no, I, I feel like people don't talk about that enough. It's like, sometimes I go into sessions and I'm feeling amazing and I want to talk about how great I'm feeling and, and the music that comes out, is great. But some of my like best work, that's just like visceral, you know, uh, comes from that feeling of just low lowness. So if, if this interview turned into like a tiny
2: desk concert type thing, uh, what song off the new EP are you opening with?
1: Ooh. Oh, that would definitely be, that would definitely be Meltdown. Uh, I actually have a show that I'm, I'm preparing for right now. And uh, the version I'm doing of Meltdown, because there's a, there's a strip version of Meltdown on the EP. And then there's the fully produced uh, rock really hard one. Uh, and I I have them as like both the beginning and the end of the EP for a reason. It's just, they have such different like sonic, uh, they're in such a different place emotionally and they feel so different. One feels so angry and intense and like, like you're fighting for your life, you know? And then the strip version is so somber. It's so introspective and a little bittersweet kind of coming down from those intense feelings and feeling a little like this is, wow, this is a lot, you know, and processing the whole EP. So we do this, this version live or we're going to be doing this version live that incorporates both versions. And it's just like really, Oh, really excited about that.
2: (laughs) What advice would you give to the next generation of artists?
1: I feel like, Feel like it sounds cliche, but it would definitely be to be as authentic as you possibly can. Um, You know, there's a lot of pressure and I think it, it feels like you're supposed to be something or everyone else is this. So that's what I should be. Instead of listening to your gut, to your core, to who you are and making sure that like the face you're putting out to social media, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to have no boundaries and you feel like there's nothing for you to be, to be kept like private or personal. You know, you don't want to share everything with people, but there's, there is a sense of, of giving a little bit of your authentic self to your, to your fans or to your audience so that, I don't know, you just like build this trust. Um, And I've been doing that. And it's really amazing to feel like supported by strangers, people that just love my music, that support me when I talk about, oh, I'm really depressed <laughs> I'm, or I'm feeling like this or, you know what, I'm struggling with this. And they just like are very supportive. And I think I think especially the music industry, the way it is now, I think people are craving that authenticity, craving like, okay, you are pretty much who you, who you appear to be, you know, personality wise, like you're giving me your true self. Um, it's a it's a curated world we're living in, and I think the more the more authenticity you can give, the better. So it would probably be that.
0: Hello there. I, I want to take a moment to talk to you about Dear Dean magazine from Dear Dean Publishing, my favorite subscription, only monthly digital magazine. It's got subscriber-generated content about politics, pop culture, travel, family, pets, and poetry, and wellness articles and features, contributor articles from nationally recognized journalists, writers, and artists, and provides opportunities for novice writers and authors and other contributors to share their voice, talents, and words did I mention that it's completely free? Dear Dean Magazine provides free advert space for small creators, authors, and podcasters, fulfilling its vision that some art should always be free. It's owned and operated by Myron J. Clifton and is designed and distributed by Katya J. Lerner at Buzzword Consulting. Visit deardean.com slash subscribe to get signed up
2: If you had one extra hour in the day, what would you do with it?
1: Oh, I I talk about this almost every day. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any specific thing I would do because I would just try to get done all of the shit that I am just incapable of getting done every day. I, I feel like an hour is almost not enough. I would love to have like five more hours, um, but yeah, it would probably be probably be other than getting all of my my shit done uh writing more music uh sometimes i i get like inspired to create it like the worst times so <laughs> it would probably be probably be doing that yeah
2: what do you most want people to get out of your music
1: yeah i what i really would love is is kind of what I used to get from my favorite artists when I was young and, and really getting into music. Um, You know, I, I've mentioned Evanescence already, but I was very, I, I I loved their music so much because I, I just felt this validation, this, this like kinship. And like, I wasn't alone when I would listen to the, their songs, you know, this, sense of not being alone in that feeling that you're feeling you know i had kind of a traumatic past you know my childhood wasn't always wasn't always the easiest and a lot happened when i was very young uh and i i just felt so alone i felt like no one could understand because especially some of the things i was going through they're not normal experiences and i couldn't just talk with friends at school and they'd be like oh yeah same so I just, I, I got very alone and very inner, very lonely. And that was when I would find artists like Evanescence, artists like, you know, I used to be really into Avril Lavigne, really into pink. And they all kind of had the same vibe of like that same authenticity. It's that same vulnerability. And I just got so much healing from it. I felt okay to be in my world because of their music. And so I always knew that when I started doing this, when I started writing music and putting it out, I didn't want to just write things that were, you know, maybe a little surface level. I wanted to write things that gave people that sense of healing, that gave people that sense of, you know, vulnerability for me so that we could, they could feel not so alone that they felt like I understood, like really understood. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, there were a couple songs from from all of those artists I mentioned that were very vulnerable. And I remember just being like, wow, like, wow, OK, they get it. So, yeah, I, I definitely want people to feel like, OK, she gets it. And, and yeah, just like this big, cathartic healing moment whenever you're listening to my stuff.
2: <laughs> so tell the folks listening at home and all over the world where they can get their hands on your music.
1: Yeah, so you can listen to my new EP, Borderline, uh, on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, all of those good sites under Mandy Crimmins, Mandy with an I, very important, Uh, and you can follow me on all the social medias, it's at Mandy Crimmins Music.
2: Well, thank you so much for uh, taking a little bit of time out of your day to talk to me about you, to talk to me about your music, I, I have enjoyed this so much.
1: Thank you so much, honestly, same, this was wonderful.
0: Thanks for listening to Headliners. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For more information about the show, visit us at www.yourlifetemicstate.com. Headliners is a Spring Break 83 production in association with Rod Wharton Productions. All rights and trademarks reserved.